Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Working, hangs in the air, passes to the Yang, ball fakes, goes by Zion, goes to the rim. One hand cut and hammer from George Niang. Zion didn't have any brakes on his minivan. Four on three brakes. O'Neal slows it down, swings it over to Clarkson, rotates to Ingles, left corner three. High archer over the Wasatch is an in. Hesitation drive by Mitchell. Wrap around up top to Bogdanovich for three. He got it. What a pass. Holy smokes. That was a great pass, part of several runs that blew the Pelicans out. The Jazz had their moments where they let the Pelicans back in, but I don't know, PK, hard to sit around and demand 35-point wins, which is what they would have had if they hadn't had those lapses. Well, I don't even remember any lapses, to tell you the truth. I just remember that they played very, very well, and by that means the ball's going in the hoop. I mean, when they've got guys... Hitting, they have an onslaught of offense, offensive weapons. They have as many offensive weapons as any team in the league when that ball's going in the basket. Now, anybody can look good, good when the ball's going in the basket. I understand that. But what I'm saying is that they seem to have more guys than most teams, if not all teams. I mean, you look at the teams right now that you would consider ahead of them, and I only put two or three, and I don't think they have as many guys who can find the bottom of the net so they really have an onslaught of weapons and they had it going on certainly and, and as they said I don't think the Pelicans are a very good team uh, it seemed like the Pelicans are the new Timberwolves yeah uh, <laughs> you know, they're supposed to be this or that I just don't see it I see oh, Zion's a nice player and Ingram's a nice player and then I see a bunch of average dudes running around that's it uh, Donovan Mitchell was right. He didn't have the numbers at the tip of his fingers, but he was asked about that, and he said, you know, and he was asked, can you keep shooting the three like this? He says, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we led the league last year. And they did, 38% from three, and they're better this year. They're at 40% right now. Right now, there's four teams in the league doing that. There are some other teams that improved dramatically. The Clippers are leading the league at 44. But to your point, you know, there's the half dozen different guys who if they get hot from three, you're not surprised. And that is a lot of different guys out there shooting three-pointers. Yeah. Well, the Jazz get the win. Now they got to do it again against the Pelicans. 8 o'clock tomorrow night on TNT. they got a six-game win streak, and they will try to make it seven in a row. 21 three-pointers. You know, for a long time, uh, uh, Ron Boone has been saying for a long time on the broadcast, 25 assists. If the Jazz hit that number, they win. Uh, the 23 pointers seems like a round number and a winning number as well, and they had 21 of them last night. So Jazz and Pelicans again tomorrow. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Can you shed some light on what the last couple of weeks have been like for you and the time you need it all? There's a lot of family and personal stuff going on, so just want to leave it at that. When you take a break from everything, there's just so many assumptions about what's going on. And so many people feel like they know me best. They have no idea who I am, nor what I'm about, or what I stand for, or even attempt to take the time, or even for me to invite them to take the time. So it's a two-way street. That's Kyrie Irving talking about his absence from the team. He just wants to leave it at that. He was fined 50000 for violating health and safety protocols at a party uh, in a group indoors, no masks. So they fined him fifty grand for that, and he lost $800,000 in salary from the two games he missed while in quarantine as well. Well, I don't really care why he was away. That, that, that is none of my business, as he says. But the thing that I see is he's got something going on all the time. That's the issue. Yeah, you're not, not whatever what this was. I couldn't care less. I wish him the best. I wish his family the best. But it just seems like it's virtually constant. So what's it going to be next? That's what I'm concerned about as if I'm anything associated with 
the Brooklyn Nets is what's next, Kyrie, because it seems like it's one thing after another. And go ahead and play the victim. That's what we do in the world today. Everybody's against you and your life. I don't understand it. Well, if I don't understand your life, then you probably don't understand mine either. But we don't ever focus on that. It's always that they don't understand me and my feelings and blah, 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 blah. And after a while, it just becomes the crying wolf deal. So I'm sure, you know, there were intense problems and personal issues, and he had to step away, and and I wish him the best to have him recover it. But what's it going to be next week, next month? Because it's probably going to be something. You're not the only one who thinks that. There's a long list of people thinking that, and I think there's multiple issues here. One is he going to be able to eliminate the drama, which seems unlikely, and just play basketball at a high level. And then two, once we do see these guys together and the league gets a chance to scout them and try different (laughs) things against them, are they going to be able to stop people? Is he going to have enough possessions that Durant and Harden aren't as effective? How is that all going to work out? And But you can't get to that until he gets on the court and then stays on the court. What I find fascinating with you is it's always two things. <laughs> One and then two. No matter what the issue is, there's always two things that come to your mind. I'll try to come up with a third one later. Well, you don't have to. It's just... I want to. I find that uh, fascinating with you. I heard this news yesterday, and I thought of you at dinner and that story you told about uh, you were at dinner and the uh, other people were talking about cancer and you didn't feel like you had anything to contribute, so you listened because they'd all had cancer and you hadn't. And Actually, then, I didn't listen. I tuned out. Oh, okay, and then you tuned out. But then you, <laughs> you told them that at some point, and they started knocking on wood. And new Pacers guard Karis LeBert said he's thankful doctors found the small mass on his kidney during a physical as part of the James Harden trade. Told reporters, I didn't have any symptoms. I was playing in games. I didn't miss any games this season. I was feeling 100%. So in a way, this trade definitely showed and revealed what was going on in my body. So I'm definitely looking at it from that side and definitely humbled to know this trade could have possibly saved me in the long run. They identified it as a mass, not as cancer, but I don't know. I hear that and my mind connects the two. Well, they didn't knock on wood. They told me that I better knock, 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 knock. On wood. wood. (laughs) Only one of the game last night. Denver Nuggets handled the Oklahoma City Thunder pretty easily. They get the win, 27 points, 12 rebounds. Nikola Jokic did not get the triple-double. He had like six or seven assists. But he didn't play in the fourth quarter because that game was a blowout, 119-101. to And the Blazers' big man, Yusuf Nurkic, underwent surgery for a fractured wrist. He's out for at least six weeks. He's injured last Thursday in the loss to the Pacers. So they will be without him for at least six weeks, and we'll see how it shakes out down the road. Got a schedule for about uh, six more weeks, and then the NBA will provide the schedule for the second half of the season. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Booster quickly down to the baseline to Miller. Miller will take the three in transition. And yes, sir. Hail to the Chief. Knocks it down. Aggies with the three and a 12-point lead. 27-15. Tanjay gets in the lane. Has to kick it back to Stevens. Stevens bounce pass to Tanjay. He can't do anything with it. Uh-uh. Tries to attack Kata. Kata with a block shot. Marco Anthony comes away with it. Kata says, uh-uh. Third block of the night for Namiya Kata. Marco Anthony on the left wing. Aggies up 65-48. Miller, long three. Yes! Ho-ho! Brock Miller, three feet behind the line. Brock Miller finishes with 20 points to lead Colorado State in scoring. They win 83-64 over Colorado State. Blew them out in the last 10 minutes of the first half and win comfortably. So that is nine in a row in league, 11 in a row overall. And... They got the Rams coming up again Thursday. PK, they are peaking. Do you want to do you want to peak in January? I guess that's the only thing to pick on them for because other than that, they're just crushing people here. Well, as you know, Brock Miller is a former Albion Knight. Aha! I knew he was a Brighton High Bengal, but an Albion had, Knight as well. Had one of the finest health teachers you could ever have. Hmm. Uh, all those Miller boys, there were several of them. Uh, yeah, I don't know that they're peaking. I, I, the fact is they're beating up on lousy competition. The whole league sucks? No. I didn't say that. I said they're beating up on lousy competition. Oh, well, Colorado State has a nice record. Okay, except for that San Diego State win, 
they haven't beaten a team in conference that has a winning record. Nope. They haven't played Boise State yet. they gotta, they got to get those guys. So they do have that San Diego State win. they got to give them that. Uh, but this is a team that lost by 20 to St. Mary's. So, uh, and you look at the league, uh, New Mexico's 0-8. Come on, Lobos. What are you doing? That's just shocking. Is Mike Loxley coaching the basketball team now? Uh, that's really bad. No, I think the league is fine at the top. It's sort of a little SEC football-ish. Uh, although, I, I will, I will, obviously, Utah State's very good, and Boise State, and Santa State, and not really sure about Nevada. You know, Steve Alford's the coach there, uh, so he's got a name, and they've been decent just a couple years back under Musselman. Right? They were pretty good, so I'll, I'll put them there. So aren't they kind of the league is halfway good? Aren't they kind of Colorado State good though? I don't. That's why I said I don't know. See, they they the lost to Air I'm Force, it, and that's a huge red flag. Air, yeah, Air Force usually sting. Joe Scott is back as a coach, and he was there in my day, and he's mm-hmm. a pretty good coach. Uh, but you know, Air Force can just lull you to sleep, and the next thing you know, there's two minutes to go in a game. But yeah, that's not that's not a good. Uh, loss by any stretch so that's why i said i don't know about nevada the thing about Colorado state they haven't been anything in a good long while at least nevada has some recent history yeah yeah those may be the fourth and fifth best teams in the league but all you can do is blow them out and the aggies built a really big lead in the last 10 minutes of the first half and and brought it home so off tonight, and then try to sweep the Rams tomorrow and make it. That would be ten in a row in league and twelve in a row. Yeah, the overall. big test is coming up next week, Boise. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. You respect the players, but you don't. You know, you don't fear them. Uh, I think there's a respect and admiration there, uh, for sure. Uh, but there's no fear. They have to play us too, and at the end of the day. Uh, we played them before. They know what we look like, and um, we know what they look like. That's Bills cornerback Josh Norman on the respect he has for Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. And, of course, they will look very different if Patrick Mahomes doesn't go. And Mahomes' his status up in the air. PK, I read a story yesterday that the mean time of return from the protocol is seven days for NFL quarterbacks. Right on the button. I was thinking it was a little longer than that yesterday. You got to define mean. So if nine guys went into concussion protocol, the guy who was out the longest, the guy who was out the shortest, you went to the middle to the fifth guy, it'd be that guy. Not the average, because if one guy was out a year, it would would make the average much longer. Oh, brother. I'm only concerned about... Is Mahomes going to play Sunday? Yeah. (laughs) Just give me a yes or no. You fill your mind with stuff. There's five stages to the protocol, PK, and if he's practicing, then he's through the first two to at least the third one. Maybe he's beyond that. They don't tend to update us on that. But saw that in a story on him last night. Hey, here's a story that's just breaking right now, literally during this segment. Uh, ESPN.com reporting that Philip Rivers is retiring after 17 years. Her San Diego Union Tribune broke it. Yeah, oh, it did freaking ESPN.com, man. They, come on. Because there's a big picture of it in front of me on their front oh, page. Well, they took EFD. it from San Diego. They got it from they, San Diego, the yes. San Diego paper. Yep. He nice. went home, so to speak, to, to announce his retirement. They had it. So the Colts looking for a quarterback. St. Star wide receiver Michael Thomas set to undergo multiple surgeries this offseason to repair a torn deltoid and injured ligaments in his ankle. Came with his high ankle sprain, suffered in week one. Hmm. Another high ankle sprain. Yep. It's going to require surgery. Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Antonio Brown, day-to-day. An MRI shows no structural damage to his knee. He played just 27 snaps in the win over New Orleans. Obviously, they would love to have him in Green Bay. I don't think they need him. They're going to win anyway? No. I don't know that. They just got so many receivers. What's one more? Yeah. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. The Nick Saban School of Rehabilitated Coaches 
taking on its newest pupil, former Jacksonville Jaguar, former Buffalo Bills head coach Doug Marone. Saban targeting him to become Alabama's new offensive line coach. And a deal to make it official is expected to be completed later this week. Yep, we'll get you ready for the NFL. We got NFL head coaches right here, and you're going to work with them, son. You can hear the recruiting pitch now. Yeah, I don't think they need a recruiting pitch. I don't think they recruit. They evaluate. Uh, years ago, I had my golf club stolen out of my garage, and the insurance company was very, very generous. And my wife's were in there, too, because there were two club, sets of clubs and a travel bag. And then everybody in the neighborhood, all the golfers, and we both got brand-new sets. They were joking about leaving their clubs <laughs> out on the front yard so they can get stolen, so they can get brand-new clubs. And uh, it's sort of like here... If I'm an NFL coach, I'm hoping I get fired so I can get hired by Nick Saban. (laughs) LSU coach Ed Orgeron had hoped to hire New Orleans Saints defensive line coach Ryan Nielsen as the Tigers' new defensive coordinator, but Nielsen got a new deal from the Saints, and he's going to stay in the NFL. He is a former Tiger, and he played in Baton Rouge and has a relationship with Orgeron. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Toronto Blue Jays signed free agent star outfielder George Springer for six years and $150 million. That's the biggest contract ever given out, the richest contract ever given out by the Blue Jays in their franchise history. Springer obviously starred for the Houston Astros, was one of the few players uh, on the team that had a solid 2020 season. He had 18 home runs in that shortened 60-game season. Some of the other guys struggled a little bit in the aftermath of the sign-sealing scandal, and he kept crushing home runs. And now he's going to go do it in Toronto. But PK, that puts him in the American League East. Will he get in the postseason there? There's some good teams in that division. Oh, for sure, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. But what I do know is he's going to get $150 million. (laughs) And I don't think that that was uh, number one on his mindset. 31 years old, six-year deal, so obviously puts him at 37. Uh, Very, very good player. Uh, Both ways, too, not just offensively. He can play center field for you and play pretty good out there. So uh, Toronto, that's a massive deal to be able to bring somebody in here. And, you know, it just seems like in baseball, uh, you got a little bit of a run and you better take advantage of it. Now, they did, they had to have one, but it's tainted. So, you know, is Houston, I mean, they had a nice run this past season, when they uh, in the postseason anyway. Uh, so, uh, and they've got a, a decent uh, farm system, but that should be a significant blow. And Toronto gets, gets a star. Dodgers Hall of Fame pitcher Don Sutton passed away at the age of 75. Cancer and Don Sutton, really, really good. Didn't have the celebrity the way other, you know, Fernando came through. And obviously they've had Sandy Koufax and a bunch of big name pitchers. Clayton Kershaw now. But an excellent pitcher. 300 wins, 3,000 strikeouts, a career ERA in the low threes. And he pitched for other teams too. Um, But... I think best known as a Dodger. Yeah, I think that uh, I saw yesterday, flicking around the baseball channel, that he is uh, the only pitcher that had uh, twenty seasons of two hundred innings. Yeah, I did hear a stat like that. You're right. He took the ball. He did. He was an Iron Man, and you know, racked up due to longevity and obviously talent. A lot of statistics, you know, two, 324 games is a big, big deal. 58 shutouts. And you know, the 58 shutouts, he actually lost seven, seven of them. <laughs> so, uh, five one hitters, 10 two hitters, seventh on the all time strikeout list. I mean, that's a lot of statistics he piled up uh, for, for only four, four all star teams. Uh, which somewhat interesting. You would have thought maybe more. But four is good enough. I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame, so he accomplished virtually everything that you could com- accomplish. Uh, and I guess he died in Palm Springs, and they said he had cancer. I'm not sure which kind, but he had had it for a while. 
He'd been a uh, broadcaster for the Braves, yeah. so a lot of oh, people yeah. may know him as the uh, one of the voices of the Atlanta sure. Braves. Many years. Um, but the thing I saw in an obit last night that I didn't know is that uh, he said calling the games, you know, through the heyday of that um, mm-hmm. of that rotation, that um, Greg Maddox, he said that was everything I wanted to be as a pitcher, but I didn't have the talent to be. And you're like, well. Not having any talent, 300 wins and 3,000 strikeouts. And, and it was longevity. I mean, he did pitch until he was 43. But when your career ERA, even if you have, you know, you know at the end, if you, you have an ERA over four and all that, your career ERA is 3.26, and you were really good. I mean, you, not to the and, – and I get that, you know, on that – in another club he wouldn't be compared, but in L.A. it's inevitable. You're going to be compared to Hershiser and Valenzuela and – Koufax and Drysdale and and now uh, to Kershaw. So I, so I get you're going to say, well, he's not on that level. Okay, oh yeah, but that level. Three I point. think he is at that level. I mean, why would you say he's not at that level? Uh, watching people who cover the sport talk about it and, and the way he They're talked wrong. about himself. They're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fairly he awesome level. At, he was at that level. And he was in the rotation in 1966 with Koufax and Drysdale. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Tim Lacombe, studio radio analyst for the Utah Jazz, going to join us coming up at 9 o'clock. Question of the day, Jazz fans, what's it going to take to take the Jazz down? They are rolling right now. How can this team be stopped? We will get to that next. You can hit us up on Facebook, DJ and PK, or on Twitter, David DJ James. We will get to that next. Stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes Your Toast is brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Check out the new bold lineup at Jerry Seiner Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. Question of the morning. The Jazz win streak is now six. How can this team be stopped? What's it going to take? Got some people weighing in on this one. <laughs> Thomas says, take it easy, guys. It's a long season, one game at a time. Why should I take it easy? Because this is just a hot streak and isn't going to define the season, I guess is what Thomas is saying. How does he know that? I don't know. He doesn't go into it. Well, he's a doubting Thomas. <laughs> yes, he is. Literally. <laughs> Oh, man, uh, and you wonder why I'm paid what I am. <laughs> Daniel says, poor shooting in one game, and it's over. Yeah, that's the point of the question, is I don't think they can be stopped by an opponent. I think they'll stop themselves, and that's going to be the issue. So, yes, they're obviously not going to win out, and they're not expected to uh, win the NBA title this year. That's all understood. But as they're playing right now on January 20th, one of the saddest days in, in, you know, that we have, and I won't get into it. Uh, you know, I know for you it's one of the happiest days, if not the happiest, but that's the difference between you and me. And um, they're expected right now today to at least get to the second round. I mean, the way they're playing, unless something drastically changes, they should get out of the first round. When you look at this team, as we just discussed, they have so many offensive weapons, and you have the best rim protector in the game. That's a fact. 
no one's going to argue that. I don't think anyone's going to argue that. I mean, that one play where he deflected, speaking of Gobert, obviously, and deflected the ball in front of uh, the Pelicans bench and then just looks like, you know, taking these massive strides that he has and gets to the rim and blocks the shot. And there's just not that many people in the history of the game who can do that, be out on the perimeter and then find a way to get all the way to the basket on the same possession on a dribble drive and block it. Wow, that's, to me, that was really awesome. That was just as awesome as that Mitchell uh, pass. It gives you an idea of how strong Donovan is to just to be able to make the pass. Uh it going like he did in the air and then flinging it gives you an idea of the overall athletic ability, and we already know that he has it. But when you combine all those things, this team, as we stand here now, unless things could change dramatically, I think we would all, and they would be too, so I'm not seeing anything that's uh, out of line, would be bitterly disappointed if they didn't get out of the first round. And the second round, you know, it's a whole other story here. But the first round, for sure. So I don't know that they can be stopped by some other team. I think they can stop themselves. Well, I agree with you on the first round. And Donovan Mitchell said that's the deal, right? We're done with these uh, first-round exits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so clearly the way things are going, they're going to be favored. They're going to be seated to win in the first round. They're going to be favored to win in the first round. And you still got to go do it. But, you know, all those things as we sit here right now, look pretty clear. Yeah, because the teams, there's a couple teams above them, the Clippers and, and Lakers, but then nobody below them really scares me relative to the Jazz. Not to say they're not good teams, and they and that's the great thing about the NBA now is even teams that are mediocre, average, what have you, have a couple players that are pretty doggone good, uh, and they get hot. You know, you look at Phoenix, and Booker can do what Jamal Murray did to the Jazz last year in the postseason, right? He's capable of really just piling on the points if he gets it going on. But as a team, you know, I certainly don't think they're better, and there's not really nobody out there that I think is better. So I think right now, at worst, they're the third-best team. Uh, it would be interesting to see how long they can blister the Nets, because, and by that I mean the basket, not the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, because you look at it, and you look at Joe Ingles. What was he, five of six? Uh, last time I looked at the box score, I don't know if he took another three after I looked at it from three-point distance. I think he scored, what, 15 points, and all of them came on five threes. And all right, he's probably not going to go five for six uh, very often. That's just incredible. But when you look and break down each of those individual shots, all of them were imminently makeable because he's wide open. And if he's wide open, you know, you expect him. You literally expect him to make it. At least I do. And same thing with Bogdanovich. Uh, but it seems like Mitchell takes tougher threes than those other guys do. Uh, and Conley, if he's open, I put him in the uh, Mitchell, or excuse me, the uh, Ingles, Bogdanovich, and now you have to put Royce O'Neal in that category too. I think it's somewhat of an underappreciated story. He didn't shoot the ball well last night, but uh, when when Royce O'Neal is open from the three, I'm expecting him to make it now. He's carved out a nice niche for himself. You really got to give him credit for you know coming to the league as an undrafted dude and as a journeyman type player, and he's found his role and he's playing it very well. Not even close to a star by any stretch, but if he's open. Expecting him to make it, and then you got Clarkson. Who knows what he's going to do? I mean, he's the ultimate wild card in terms of he gets hot for three because he has so many different ways to score. So the point is, man, the number of weapons that they have, it's very impressive. I think Royce O'Neal has shot the three well for a while, kind of that 38% range the last couple of years, and this year, 45%. I mean, yeah. to your point, that, that's a whole new level, and there's nothing wrong with 38%. You shoot 38% from three, you can be in the NBA a long time. The Jazz led the league in three-point shooting right at 38% on the button last year. So that, that's a good number, And but, man, 45. Look out. That's Big a, time, yeah. That's a Joe Ingles good season range right there. And so, we'll, you know, we'll see if he sustains it. But the team as a whole, at 40, when they shot 38 last year, 40 isn't outrageous. I mean, it's not, that's not a, a crazy number. You know, they're, they're, they're a little better. 
you know, and, and two points matters. Uh, but it's also not, you know, if, if they were 10 points better right now, we would all be sitting here saying, well, they're not going to sustain that and they're going to cool off. But from 38 to 40, they, they might be able to sustain that. Right, and what they can do is compensate for someone who's off. So you take Royce O'Neal mm-hmm. wasn't hitting his shot. Well, it's not even noticeable because Joe clearly makes up for it. And then you got three other guys that are capable of doing it. So if I'm a fan, which to one degree we, we all are, I, f- I define my fandom as following a team rather than being just uh, determined upon the wins and losses. For me, the definition of a fan has always been, do I follow you day to day? You know, I follow the Dodgers day to day. I'm not, I'm not the fan in terms of winning and losing, but that's how I define my fandom, and we're all into one degree or another a fan. And with that in mind, I would be excited. I would be interested to see, and there's a lot of jazz fans out there who have the woe is me, you know, we'll never do it type of attitude. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd be interested to see or hear what their opinions are now as far as not getting caught up. Because I have to admit, I'm caught up. It's easier for me to be caught up because I'm not going to be let down. You know, I, it's like been once or twice I've been let down where I really felt bad after a loss. I mean, I'm talking my life of all my teams. Uh, so I, I get that it's easier for me to be more excited about it because there isn't going to be that letdown if it doesn't come to pass. There'll be some form of disappointment, but there won't be any emotional letdown for me. So it is easier because I don't have that full, complete emotional investment of the true, hardcore, real definition of fan. I understand all that. But as I step back and try to look at it, also, too, I think the by me having that sort of in my DNA, I believe anyway, it allows me to look at things a little more objectively because I'm not, I don't have that fandom about that. You know, I, I don't love these guys. They're not my guys. They're, they're just basketball players on a team to me. And that's as far as it goes. So I think I can look at it a little more objectively from that perspective because I don't have that emotional investment. And it's hard for me to not get caught up in how good this team is. And I know there's – and the Jazz fan base really isn't that different. There's a lot of fan bases who think, well, something's going to go wrong. It always does. I understand that. But I'm interested to see what is negative about the team right now because I'm having a hard time finding something. Jeff is with you. Nothing can stop this train. Well, I wouldn't go that far. Something could. And I think what it comes down to is the Jazz aren't going to get beat by a team that's deeper than they are. They have seven. I think there's seven guys on this team right now. You have confidence. If they get a if they get a good look from three, you want them taking it because you got confidence that they can make it. So they it's got seven guys who can make the three. Yeah, I think so. Okay, I just want to make sure. Yeah, I didn't know if you were talking rotation or more than that. No, I think they've got a solid nine man rotation. I don't okay. count on Favors and Gobert, yeah, obviously, right, okay, but okay, absolutely right, gotcha. want them on the court. But O'Neal, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, Bo- we all know who they are. Bogey, Conley, name. Mitchell. Don't don't name them. Don't name them. We know Angles. who they are. Clarkson. Okay. So, but what happens when they face a team with a couple of stars? Looking at you, Lakers, maybe the Clippers. You know, is Paul George going to play like a star or not? Obviously, we saw him in a playoff series when he was with Oklahoma City playing the Jazz, and he had a couple games where he looked like a star and a couple games where he just vaporized. And, you know, Ingles, as the series went along, you know, I guess I guess if you're a jazz fan, Ingles, uh, you know, took him out of it. And if you're a Paul uh, Paul George cynic, then you know, well, he just he just kind of melted away. But whatever the, the case, he didn't play like a star late in the series. I think Clippers are better last year because they have better coaching. Doc Rivers, my, he's okay, but I mean, he's blown so many three-one leads, and it seems like he wants to be a spokesman for other stuff now. Uh, so I think there's less drama. I think there's more respect. So I think they're better. I think the Clippers are better than they were last year. Plus, I think, too, you know, we have no problem giving Mike Conley a pass for last year because he got had to get acclimated. 
But yet we don't expect the same thing of the Clippers bringing two new guys. They're supposed to hit the ground running, and they blew it. Man, they're a bitter disappointment. They're just a bag of gag of chokers, every one of them, and they'll never win a thing. Well, yeah, but it's Jasmine Conley, man. You need them time to adjust, and look at them now. Okay, well, can I apply the same principle to the Clippers, that this is their second year after coming together very quickly, pretty much on the fly last season? Yeah. It's a common story around the NBA. The Heat, it's been pointed out, the Heat didn't win it the first year, but they did their second and third. And when Pau Gasol went to the Lakers, and it was a midseason deal, so it's a little different, but his first uh, playoff run, they didn't win it, but then his second and third playoff run, they did win it. So Right. There's only one guy who's come in, and that's why he's the greatest, Magic Johnson. There it is. Who had the single greatest game in the history of the NBA. And he won immediately because he was magic, and nobody else is magic. Bird won his second year. Duncan won his second year. But magic, you're one. Oh, well, he had Abdul not in that last game. He didn't. <laughs> 42. Yeah, go watch that, all you youngsters. Phenomenal. T- tape delay, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, the most individually phenomenal, best game by an individual ever was that game six against Philadelphia. So uh, everybody else needs some time. So the Clippers are going to be better just because of duration. And they're legitimate. So, yes, I would be very concerned. If, if the seeding plays out and you got the Clippers in the second round, and I hope it happens unless you are in first place and you get the fourth seed if the seeds hold true. But assuming that they are staying the same, then that second round, that's going to be a dandy, uh, and what you know, we'll worry about then. then worry about that then, but that would be that's, that would be very difficult to get past. But that, I mean, that's just the way it is, man. That's the way it should be. You shouldn't have a bunch of cakewalks all the way. Lakers are eleven and four. Jazz and Clippers are both ten and four. So, and they've already got a couple games separation from everybody else. That group of teams you were talking about that doesn't really scare you. Well, yeah. Well, now you got Portland with two guys out. I mean, yeah. come on. Yep. They, they just that that's very difficult to overcome with McCollum and, and Nurkic. So they should they're they're one and one without Nurkic right now. But then now McCollum is going to be out for a little bit. So you would expect them to slide. And and then as I look at everybody else, it's, who Phoenix. Phoenix looks like legitimate now that they could possibly be the fourth seed. Am I missing somebody? Well, I think the thing there is that um, that's part of the point in getting to 2-3. That team, that well, you know, they're pretty good. Yeah, but if they're fourth or fifth, they're on the other side of the bracket. So do you see them anyway? Does it matter? They're not in your path. They're probably not going to – you're probably not going to end up meeting them. No. Yeah. uh, Sun Spurs, Blazers, Warriors, Grizzlies, Nuggets, Mavericks. And they're, they're all decent. They've got decent yeah. players. They're all decent teams. But they don't put an th- ounce of threat into me from the Jazz perspective. So, I mean, they're all nice teams. I like some of their guys. But I think the, the other three, the two LAs and the Jazz, are better than all those other three. So, keep it going. And there's no reason why it doesn't keep going. I don't know how long the win streak is going to be. I'm not really concerned about that. Uh, that a win streak is is nice, you know. If it starts starts to get up in the teens, then you, then you're onto something. But I always looked at it: if you can go, if you win eight out of ten, you're great. And so that means obviously you got a couple losses mixed in there. And so in the NBA with the travel and somebody can have a cold or what have you, and just be off. So things happen. A lot of games, a lot of games in a condensed period of time now, and and you're playing these teams. In some cases, we're seeing back to backs as we are here, not necessarily consecutive nights, but you're playing the same team. So, you, as Matt Harping once said, the law of numbers could play out uh, occasionally. But this team that's got so many weapons, as I'm watching that game, that's what just is so just screams out at the television as you're sitting there uh, watching the ball game. Is that man? They have so many weapons that can get it going. And if they get even half of those guys that can get it going. So they get, you said seven, so you throw Niang in there too as far as a three-point shooter. And that's why I was not all that worried about Niang earlier in the season. 
I mean, he's in the league because he can shoot, right? So you know, all right, if he's sucking now, now he needed to go listen to Michelle Branch. I think he could have listened to anything, and he was going to come around because he's he's a proven product in being able to make some threes. So now he's now he's hot, right? He's shooting fifty percent over that. Craig said, I think seven of his last fourteen. All right. So you expect that. So if you get even half of those guys, that's like three, four guys. If you get those guys, that number of guys, whoever it might be, that number of guys on, that's a lot of weapons in an individual ball game. And when you get several of them on, you can blow teams off the floor, which is what they did to New Orleans when they stretched that lead to 25. Not, not an ordinary night. You get more more guys on than off, and it just they just light them up. All right, we take a break. Coming back, we got the breaking news this morning. To tell you more about that, how it's going to impact things. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's ninety-seven five at twelve eighty. The zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The great David Locke. I'm not trying to be a flamethrower here, but Giannis is the MVP, but he's not capable of carrying his team to a championship. The fact that they go away from him for the final five minutes of every game is a significant problem. And the fact that they like didn't guard him and he airballed a three, it's a pretty dramatic visual. It's a really big, significant problem that has shown up two years in a row in the playoffs, and his game is not any different this year than it was a year ago. He's great. He's the MVP. Like, don't misunderstand what's being said here. But there is a difference between those players that can win championships and those players that can't. And there is something to be said for those that have won them and those that haven't. There's a reason in most cases. And there's going to be a reason why Giannis finishes without a championship. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Valentine's Day, less than a month away. Coming up February 14th, and Jimmy's Flowers is there for you on Valentine's Day. Flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, a longtime partner with The Zone, can make it easy. All you have to do is visit them at jimmysflowers.com. Remember, Valentine's is on Sunday this year. Jimmy's Flowers at jimmysflowers.com. PK, quarterbacks are stars in this league. Phillip Rivers is hanging it up after 17 years. There's a market for quarterbacks out there. Uh, Deshaun Watson, you think he's really on the move? Or is everybody building from the ground up, trying to find a backup and get him better or maneuver for a draft pick? Or are we going to have well, a— Well, I, I think it's like the transfer portal. And who's ever the best one that you can get that's out there. I don't know that you're grooming anybody if uh, you don't have somebody that you think you can groom. And I think most teams, they don't really have somebody that they think they can groom. The backup is uh, somebody that is in un, un, you know, unusual circumstances. You look at Chad Haney, right? That, uh, he, he's not being groomed for anything no. as, as far as that goes. And you know, Cowboys, I don't, Andy Dalton's not being groomed for anything in that way you know what i mean so i i think there's a few teams that have the opportunity to groom but more often than not no so i think it's somewhat of a free-for-all and if you like the colts they can get rivers for a season and it was worth getting him for a season right they were a playoff team there's something to be said for being a playoff team so now they've got to reload and i don't know what they're going to do uh, they got uh what's his face uh the Jacoby kid is that their back backup, uh, and I don't know if he, they Jacoby Brissett. Yep. Yeah, and I don't think that I don't know. You know, he has a little bit of a experience there with the Patriots a couple years back. So I think you just go and see what you come up with, and if you're fortunate enough to get somebody that proverbial franchise guy, then hallelujah for you. <laughs> the rest of them, you know, you are you're constantly in the market, and this Deshaun Watson thing, I think that's. Uh, Certainly serious, uh, and we'll see how that plays out. You know what? Uh, what do the Texans do? Do they find something or somebody that they think is uh, worth making a trade for? Remains to be seen, and that's why you end up with these quarterbacks that are so precious in the draft. And somebody like Zach Wilson absolutely has to strike now. If he wants, if Zach Wilson wants to go his highest, now's the time. Because if he has another strong season next year. Uh, I don't know that he can go any higher 
maybe he could, uh, but the point being for him, it seems like on paper anyway, he's making the absolute best decision to come out because I don't know that his stock is going to get higher. And so, you know, he looks like he's going to go top five uh, unless something really, really drastic happens. So that's a perpetual search, man. And if you got one, more power to you. Well, the Colts are looking now. And, you know, Carolina was in a situation looking a year ago. They went for Teddy Bridgewater. And, you know, he did some things that were all right, but there weren't enough big plays. There weren't enough touchdowns. They ended up having a really disappointing season. But he's a guy there for a while. So do you go find a, a backup, someone like Bridgewater, and give him a shot? Or, like you say, draft draft Zach or one of the half dozen quarterbacks that's being highly touted yeah. right now. And there's no way a half dozen can pay off. <laughs> this is... This is not. It, it happened once, like thirty-five years ago. I mean, there aren't half a good, half a dozen good quarterbacks in a draft, but two or three well, yeah, of them will. And if you get your guy, who cares if the other guys swing and miss? How many drafts were quarterbacks were taken that high? So that's what I wouldn't go just on once in thirty-five years. I would go with how many quarterbacks are drafted in the first round and a half, say, uh, to know. And what what's the percentage and the failure rate of that? Because there might be some drafts. There was no point in saying, well, it's only happened once in 35 years if 30 of those years it never was even on the table to begin with. Yeah, there are plenty of drafts where they didn't have half dozen guys go, but maybe two guys go one, two, and one of them pans out and one of them doesn't, even when they're going top two. You know, that, that was a, a weird draft, that 83 draft, where there were, you know, more than one Hall of Famer and, and several long-term starters who are, you know, all pros or whatever. Playoff yeah, the, the game has changed so dramatically since then. True story. It's really pointless to, to go back on that. Uh, I think that you have to uh, trust your analysis and your ability to scout and all that type of stuff. Uh, to me... You're going to, as you say, you're going to try like a Bridgewater and and try somebody who has somewhat of a of a track record, which makes me believe that Jameis Winston is going to get another chance. And uh, I don't know, but maybe it's the Saints. Maybe he stays home where he is right now. But I would be surprised if in three, four years from now we weren't able to look back and say, well, Winston had another shot. Uh, because who's to say that he doesn't find a level of maturity uh, on the field and can benefit from that experience that he had, sort of an up-and-down nature with Tampa Bay, and then being with Sean Payton, who is viewed very favorably as developing offensive talent, and he can't benefit from that. But, yeah, it's like an ace in pitching. You know, there's just so few of them, and if you've got them, you you got to hold on to them. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Saints and what, what they do there. Because uh, I certainly look like his body language indicated that Drew Brees was done. And at 42 years of age, I mean, I realize Brady's doing what he's doing and good on him. But that's just the absolute exception. And so the rest of them, you, you step aside. I always viewed uh, Brees as sort of a John Stockton uh, similar to wear, and I realize Breeze played with two teams, but he's known almost exclusively as a Saint, and he was very good for a good number of years. Now he has the Super Bowl, and I guess John doesn't have the ring, so there's that difference there. But in terms of their caliber of play between the two, I thought, man, they, they're really, really good, and Hall first ballot Hall of Famers. And John stepped aside at 42, if I remember correctly, right? So he was decent at the end, but he wasn't himself. So Breeze seems to come to that realization that it ends for everyone at some point. So then what do the Saints do? That's, to me, and it has the local angle, of course, obviously, with Hill. But what's going to happen there is just fascinating, as it is with for, for the Colts. You know, what are they going to do? And and, and what is it? what are the Texans going to do? And then who's going to draft? You would assume that Lawrence is going to go one, but then what about Justin Fields? And then Zach Wilson, those two, you know, where are they going to go? That's so intriguing. The storylines in pro sports always seem to just be there, and they just roll over. And names change and particulars change, but there's always storylines there that if you're into it, 
end up really being fascinating and interesting to you, and you're excited to see how it plays out. Well, if Watson is on the move, you got to assume that uh, they're either getting an established quarterback or high draft picks so they can go get a, a new guy. Uh, so <laughs> the, the, the whole thing of projecting the draft, until you know if those teams are actually drafting where they are, if they're trading those picks, it's pointless to figure it out, but the quarterbacks can't slide that far. There's too many teams that need them. You know, and the Steelers may need a quarterback. You know, it's not entirely clear what Roethlisberger is doing now. He sat on the sideline with a melancholy look, and people wondered if he was, you know, <laughs> rerunning his career one last time on the bench or if he was just down after a playoff game. You know, they started 11-0, and and yeah. it was a terrible end of the season. So maybe he was just thinking about that. Right. Uh, you know, I don't so know. we'll just, I, I don't either. I don't think anyone does. I think people are trying to guess and trying to figure it out, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, he's kind of in that Philip Rivers. You know, they're in their late 30s, uh-huh. which is a really good run, and that's where quarterbacks have traditionally dropped off and retired. And now we've had a couple guys go into their 40s, so they don't seem that old. But the truth is, they are. You know, and, and maybe they beat the odds too. You know, maybe, well, Rivers won't because he's retiring, but maybe Roethlisberger will, you know, push the envelope for another year or two. Well, I sort of think they already did the beat the odds. Yeah, you're right. They did. <laughs> There's plenty of quarterbacks who are you know are done at 34 or 35. So, yeah, and yeah, th- those guys, and they beat the odds too. I mean, they're on you're, the way. You're in the NFL. You beat the odds. Yeah, from that perspective, yeah. Uh, but once they've established, I see what you're saying. It's a little bit of a different perspective that you're saying there, and the quarterback position. And I really believe, to me, it's the most important position of all of sports, and I don't think I'm out of line saying that. I think most people believe that, particularly now with the rule changes and the ball getting in the air. And the NFL, tip your hat to them. They recognize that they're a sports league, but they're, a, they're basically entertainment. And they've ta- tailored all the rules towards being more entertaining, and they hit the jackpot. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, and you know, you get in the NFL playoffs, it's so massive. But trying to find that one guy, and locally here, is Zach Wilson going to be that one guy? Well, right now, yeah, sure, but you just you just don't know, man. You you really don't. There's been so many guys you thought were going to be it, Matt Leinart, and then nothing, absolutely that's, nothing. That's actually an <laughs> excellent example. I mean, you go into this knowing. That even when a guy dominates in college, yeah. he can flame out in the pros in a heartbeat. And it doesn't devalue what he did in college. You know, Ryan Leaf getting to a Rose Bowl with Washington State, that's awesome. They've been to two Rose Bowls in 90 years. And you, and you got to one of them, that is awesome. But obviously the pro career was a mess. Matt Leinart, who won more in college than that guy, but the pro career went nowhere. But, you know, Leaf had all these off-the-field issues. He did. He did. So that's yeah. going to curtail you, right? And that's why I said Liner's all the time. Excellent example. Liner didn't. Yeah. All he did was have a baby with Bryn Cameron, right? Well, really, who hasn't? You want to leave it there, PK? You want, <laughs> you want a rim shot? <laughs> it's break time. All right, DJ and PK. Question of the morning. The answers are rolling in. What's going to stop the Jazz? Six in a row, tied for second in the West, half game behind the Lakers, tied with the Clippers. Make it look easy. Dominated the Pelicans for long stretches of that game. We will get to that and your responses next. Stay with us.